0: Welcome to Spook Pod. This is Courtney,
1: and this is Emily. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Welcome back everybody. Um, so this week I told Courtney that I wanted to do an episode. So hey, if it's terrible <laughs> stop listening we and we'll host. never do it again. We have yeah, a new host.
0: <laughs> you know. No, it was awesome that you did that because I've been very busy this week and I'm really tired right now. I feel like that's a theme that I say every single time we record though. So um but yeah, it's it's pretty late. We're cutting it a little close. We've been cutting it close to our deadline. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get we, better. We this do gotta get, get better. It's just, <laughs> I mean, when you release an episode every single week, it's hard to get caught up because it's every single week, you know. So it's like nonstop. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay,
1: but anyways, I'm gonna jump into, you know, what's going on because we don't like we don't like the chitty chatties on here. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> always forget cuz it's nice to it's nice to talk. So, um anyone who knows me knows that I'm a, a little more history based than uh than most people. I like history. Uh if you didn't know that, now you do. So, I decided to dig into a case that's a little older, which made this slightly challenging because there's not a ton of great references for this case cuz it's like first of all, I did find a newspaper article, but between translating it from Dutch to English and then... I'm so proud of you. Like, it it was written in, like, the 1950s, like, the late 1950s, so it's, like, all old-timey and, like, yonder ye. It's not really, (laughs) but, like, it might as well be. So I think that, like, the phrasing was, like, strange because of how people spoke and wrote back then. So you're getting a little bit of that and a little bit of, hey, I used Google Translate to mash this together. So bear with me for that portion of it. (laughs) Um... This doesn't
0: have to do with a doll, right? Because when I read the title... No, no, it does not. It does not. But don't give anything away. Okay, it doesn't have to okay, do with a doll. Okay. So
1: <laughs> like already freaked out. You better tell me this isn't about dolls. Um, <laughs> That's my big fear. So
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But I feel like this case might be kind of well-known in the Netherlands. I don't really know for sure because I know that when you're talking about North America and like specifically the States, cases like this are really well-known. Like, I don't know, Courtney, if you've ever heard of like the Block Dahlia.
0: I have, Yes. Okay, yeah, so it's
1: it's along similar lines in my mind anyways, so I'm thinking that people maybe already know a little bit about this case, and if I mess anything up, feel free to drop a line and yell at us, because we love when people talk to us. <laughs> We're sad and alone. Help. Well, it has the same um, <laughs> initials, actually.
0: So, when I read the title, I won't say it, but when the first thing I was like, oh no, is this a killer doll? And then the second thing was like, <laughs> oh, it, maybe it's like the Black Dahlia, because... i don't know the bd i was just thinking
1: it's fairly similar i will say it's way less gruesome um for anyone who's not familiar with the black dahlia uh she was found cut in half um i mean it was done post-mortem but still uh the cut in half is rough so this one's not as terrible um and before I actually get into it, I just want to, like, take a minute and say that I didn't really know anything about this case getting into it. I was just kind of looking for something historical and, like, whatever. But the more that I read it, the more that I absolutely fell in love with, I'm going to call her a heroine because she really is, <laughs> um, which is, uh, and I might butcher this again. I'm sorry, but it's Sibyl or Sabi, um, Aida Johanna Niemans. Uh she goes by Suze, which is what I'm gonna call her because it's way easier than what's <laughs> happening here with her name. <laughs> um so yeah, we're gonna dip in and talk about who Suze was and why her life and subsequent murder caused such like a social uproar, really. So Suze was born September twenty-seventh, nineteen twenty-seven in Amsterdam.
0: Nice date. I like that. right.
1: Date. Just a nice solid eleven twenty seven or no, it'll be nine twenty-seven twenty-seven. Yeah. September. Really solid.
0: I'm partial to September.
1: I wonder why. <laughs> um, so she was born to her father, which was Hendrikus Johannes Niemens, who was a shoemaker, and her mother, which was Sabia Aida or Alida Johanna Striedler. Um, so her mother was chronically ill. It ended up being cancer. And she was admitted to a care home and passed away sometime during World War II. Not really clear on that. Again, history doesn't like to be great on the details. <laughs> um, Because they were in the midst of war and finding himself without his wife, her father struggled to care for her. And it says her younger brother, I'm not sure if there were more siblings, but these two at the very least, Suze and her younger brother, were sent to a children's home in Zandvoort. They stayed here through primary and secondary schooling for Suze, which was up until 1942, so nearing the end of the war, when the Germans requisitioned the building for their purposes. Um and I just think like this must have been such a hard time like she lost her mother which is tragic and hard enough as it is and then you get removed from the only home you've ever known um during war which is so mm-hmm. uncertain like I know for us like we're experiencing like some wartime stuff with with Russia right now um and the Ukraine and like that's not even that close to me, and I'm still like, Oh, I'm uneasy about that, and I can't imagine like being in the midst of that, so she's in the midst of that um and sent away. but then um she comes back when she's around fifteen years old because this building was repurposed for war purposes. Um, they returned to Amsterdam to find their father had remarried. um I did not find the name of her stepmother, but it is said frequently in like all of the different articles that i looked at that her and her stepmother did not get along so at 15 um she's she's been living on her own with her brother for like close to 10 years i would assume because it's primary and secondary school and then she comes back to like this typical evil stepmother situation Damn, that, <laughs> that you sucks. read about in fairy tales right like you don't so anyways she did not stay prob- in her home so she probably so.
0: doesn't even know her dad at this point either she's been gone yeah like you've been
1: gone for so long yeah exactly so at 15 probably 15 16 years old she leaves home to find employment and lodgings elsewhere so this is the 1940s this is a 15 year old girl this is Amsterdam and she's like (laughs) bye (laughs) (laughs) like goes out on her own so that's such a ballsy move and then things get kind of a little hazy here because there's a lot of different accounts of like Kind of, she meets a man, let's say, an older man. And there's the details around him are hazy. Some people say he was a fortune teller. Uh, Some people say he was an Italian sailor. Uh, Most people say he was a pimp. I tend to agree with them. Uh, Maybe he went by all three. Maybe he was just really uh, entrepreneurial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so maybe he had three jobs. (laughs) It's not super likely, but. The point of all of this is that he um, offered her accommodations on Kerkstraat in Amsterdam. Uh, Essentially, he offered her a start into prostitution, and she was still a minor at this time. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, in the 1940s, prostitution was not legal in Amsterdam, uh, even less so for underage girls. Uh, And understandably, the police got involved, uh, took notice of you know, the Italian sailor fortune teller pimps <laughs> activities. <laughs> Probably a good thing he doesn't sound like a great guy, Suze. Um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, they got uh they got involved and after their intercession, um, she was forced to return to her less than desirable lodgings with her father and stepmother. Uh so at this time she began to study dressmaking probably is a way to distract from her horrible home life uh it was her first kind of foray into the world of fashion but it would not be her last she definitely had a passion for this and it comes up time and time again in her life which i think is so great because she's had such a rough start um but as you can see like as we go on she constantly seeks out things that like are bringing her joy or are giving purpose to her life and like bettering herself, despite the fact that, you know, she's this 16-year-old kid who found herself in prostitution, you know, and an evil stepmother, which every Disney princess has had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1948, at the age of 21, she left Amsterdam again, and she relocated to the Hague. Is that how you say that? Den Haag. The Hague. Den Haag. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, whatever Courtney did in her throat, uh, (laughs) the Hague. The hag uh and she returned to prostitution, uh renting her own window, uh but she was quite successful, and a short while later she upgraded to a rented room Ooh. at <clears throat> at the time she had dark hair, and so she developed the pseudodennym black dolly, uh but soon she bleached it, and then her more popular persona became the blonde dolly, which is how she would be known in prostitution circles. Until she was killed. (laughs) Uh, She went by Inga to her acquaintances. And I'm not sure if that means like her friends or if it was just like her second identity for when she wasn't uh, dealing in prostitution. But yeah, she did have a second name that she liked to go by. I guess a third name because really she was rocking
0: Sue's up until this point (laughs) and then was just like, nope, gone. Well, I guess if prostitution isn't legal, it's probably good to have like a little...
1: You know, have some monikers that you go by, a couple different passports. Yeah, she was living. She was living such a nefarious life, and I love it. Um, so by 1950, uh, she had gained enough financially to afford her own home, which I think is pretty baller. Uh, and you got to be good at your job. Like I honestly,
0: <laughs> she yeah. had to be. doing I mean, she's something she's a right cool to... nickname. If, if she was known yeah. as a nickname, she must be good. She must be making some waves in the world. You yeah. Know?
1: so her home was on new Haven. is that how you say that new, new haven.
0: haven
1: yeah new haven uh but she was only 23 which <laughs> okay i'm like 33 and i still don't have my own house <laughs> and i know that like as much as courtney has a house she bought it with a partner this girl went out and did this on her own during like right after the war so you're in a recession nobody's doing great she doesn't have parental support like she's got nothing and she just like went out and bought herself a house doing her thing and running her business and i am so appreciative of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe we're in the wrong line of work (laughs) yeah what have
1: i been doing with my (laughs) podcasting when i could be just laying it out for um so it was also when she was 23 that she threw her I'm going to say her prostitution circles because it's not very clear about this, but it says she met him in her environment. So I assume that's how. Um, But she met Bato Vandenberg, and he was an accomplished violinist in the Hogs Resident Orchestra. Mm. They had a whirlwind romance, and they were soon married. So she traveled around with him, kind of like left the life of prostitution to, like behind her for a bit. I I don't think she was done with it entirely, but she left it behind for a hot minute for Bato, um, <laughs> Bato. and he <laughs> Bato, and he introduced her to a whole new world of classical music, art, and she got back into fashion, which she had already shown an interest in. So she began to model on occasion and started referring to herself as Sabia Vandenberg, which Damn, is just name? like such, and it's such a rich sounding name too, like. This girl knew how to work a persona. She was like, you know, when I'm whoring, I'll be the blonde Dolly. Uh, To my friends, I'm Inga. To my family, I'm Suze. And when I'm out with the boys and the classical music, I'm uh, Sabia Vandenberg.
0: (laughs) Good. Perfect.
1: (laughs) Like, she just knew. She just knew how to work it. Uh, Yeah, so it was just like a more refined moniker, I guess. But um, she really did have this, like, side to her that was that was more refined and very classy. And like, even until she died, like they, there was talk of her, like people were shocked to find out she was a prostitute because she also like read classical stories to the elderly and performed violin concertos. And like, she just had this charitable hospitable, but also really classy side to her that, you know, people were shocked when they were, they were like, Oh, okay. She's also, you know, a prostitute. So (laughs) hand in hand, I guess. So with Vandenberg, she entered into a world of society. Uh, she began rubbing elbows with the military and government elite really that upper echelon, high class people. But her marriage didn't last. It actually began to crumble within the year. But for some reason, and no one gets into this, again, history, I love thee, but give me, throw me a bone. Um, so there was a really lengthy legal process involved in their divorce. And I read in a couple of places that it was not finalized until 1957, which so if they got married in 1950 and then things went to crap in 1951, that's six years of divorce proceedings before they actually were, like, separated. She's probably trying to
0: take him for all he's worth, I bet.
1: Or he's trying to take her, like, girl had money, (laughs) so maybe, you know, Botsy was struggling financially and wanted a little leg up in society and went after her her and money. Um, so, <laughs> so during this time of separation from Vandenberg, she returned to prostitution once again, experiencing great success financially. So like she really didn't need him because she, there was um, one of the articles that I read mentioned that she would entertain up to 25 men a night. So oh, damn. like, like girl, <laughs> you breaking in the dough, calm down. Um, so she actually went on uh, to buy multiple buildings with her financial gains, uh buildings which she then rented as another source of income. So not only is she now like a prostitute and this like classical, you know, violinist and and poet and like whatever, but she's also got rental properties. So she's a landlord, uh and just like making money hand over fist. Uh she was becoming an established businesswoman and had a really good head for it. She took advantage of real estate opportunities. And like again, honestly, even me, at my age, I would not be comfortable navigating that. And I'm older than she was at the time of her murder. And I'm like, I don't know, should I, should I make an investment? Do I, do I buy this and make money off of it, or do I just let myself flounder in, you know, the boredom of my life? <laughs> and like, seriously, like, I mean, really, it is in the recession after the war. You have to think about this. Like, nowhere in Europe was having a good time financially. And yet here she is, like, buying properties up, like, left, right, and center and making profit off of them. So I just... She's so impressive. hmm Oh, yeah. Like, and... <laughs> and I think it's just hilarious that she's doing these, like, barely legal things, which are only illegal because, really, the men in society feared women having the successes that she did. And so, like, I mean, honestly, uh, prostitution becomes legal in Amsterdam in 2008, I think. I don't know, but I want to know that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty sure prostitution became legal in Amsterdam in 2008, which uh, it should have been legal all along. Like that's yeah, that seems super
0: recent.
1: Uh, In 2000, sorry, so I was a little bit late on that. It's 2000 is is when it becomes legal in Amsterdam, and I just think that's ridiculous because it's like the sex trade has been it's the oldest job in history. Like it's been forever that people is. So I mean just like restricting that and making it harder for women to enterprise in a time when they really didn't have that much going for them job opportunity wise. Like, I just think it's uh it's so badass. <laughs> um so her financial gains were probably in part linked to the connections that she made during her marriage. There were a lot of rumors about the clientele that she began Having come to her after her divorce proceedings were in in effect, there was rumors that she entertained royalty and government agents. And it would be disastrous if their identities were linked to her in any way. She actually kept, well, is rumored to have kept a blue book. Uh, chronicling all of their names and addresses, which would have been super problematic for them had it been released and they been linked to prostitution. Because, again, not legal, and it's just as illegal to be a prostitute as it is to pay for a Mm. prostitute, so they would have been in trouble too. And, again, she had all this blackmail material against all of these powerful men. And while she may have never used it, and it may have ultimately served as a motive for her murder— it's still such an impressive feat for a woman at this point in history to just like have the gall to be like, I'm going to write everyone's names and addresses down in this little book to prove that they came here and paid for sex with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then
1: I can ruin them if I Although, you know, <laughs> if I want to. It's really
0: unfortunate, but I've heard of a lot of murder cases that are kind of like this, you know, where like people keep records and maybe that scares people. And maybe that's motive. Yes. So this does bring us right up to her murder
1: and her discovery, uh, which happened in late October, early November 1959. Now, I say this because technically they put her, like, date of death at October 30th or 31st, but no one found her until November 2nd. She was only 32 years old, which, again, I've mentioned is younger than me, and she had accomplished so much. And it's actually, like, super sad because, I mean, she donated a lot of her... Funds and everything, but she could have done so much more if she had been, like, you know, given a full life. Mm-hmm. So there are conflicting accounts of how her body was discovered in one account that I read. Well, so first of all, I'll tell you the things they agreed upon, which was that she was found on November 2nd, 1959. uh The first account that I read said that there were workers in the area of her home on UA Haven. Uh, And they heard the cries of a dog, which ended up being her dog. She had a Bouvier. He's so cute. You should see the pictures of him. (laughs) The disturbance carried on for a while, and they alerted the police to investigate. And then a different account, which is actually the newspaper article, which I will read to you in a bit. So I'm more inclined to believe that one, uh, claims that it was an acquaintance that was there to visit her. But her blinds were drawn, and no one answered when they rang the bell, which struck them as odd because... She always kept her appointments. I mean, she kind of built a reputation on keeping appointments. Um, And so they became increasingly concerned when they heard the howling of her pet dog, and then they called the police. So that's kind of the two different stories about how it happened. When they arrived, they entered the home through a kitchen window, and they found the distressed dog. And upstairs, and it's very key that they say upstairs because it matters. Upstairs, they found the body of Sue's And it was in the upstairs bedroom, which apparently was not one that she would use um, when she entertained her male visitors and visitors as an air quotes. So it begs the question, if it wasn't a client who killed her, like assuming that like she wouldn't have brought a client to that room, then who was it? So in their investigation, they concluded that she had been strangled to death between October 30th and 31st, 1959. Uh, Her murder was thrust into the public eye because the citizens began speculating about her relationships with various high-profile figures in society. And the police immediately rule out robbery as a motive because they, uh, under her floorboards, they found, like, a huge amount of gold coins and all of the money she had made that night was just, like, out on a dresser in her home. But they actually didn't do all that much to investigate or find her killer. I hate that. Yes. I'm going to explain a little bit why, um, but well, why people speculate that they didn't do much. But first I was going to read the terribly Google translated from Dutch and old timey (laughs) speak article. So bear with me. Uh, So the title of the article was Woman Murdered in the Hog. Uh, And then uh, there was a subtitle that said police are in the dark about the perpetrator, which I thought was just Way to bury the lead, there. <laughs> newspaper article. <laughs> uh, I just think it's funny too when you like read this article. There's not very much like a sense of urgency or anything, and I don't know if it's like the time period or if like murder was way more common. But like, there's no assurances of public safety or like en- they're just basically like they lay out the facts and they're like best of luck and then like, scurry <laughs> off into the. I just thought it was very strange, but I'll read it to you. Um, so it says there was a great commotion yesterday evening on the new haven in the hog, which was in building number 498, the 32 year old woman. And they actually did put her initials in this article, but as we've said before, in the Dutch way of things, it's, it's just initials. Like they don't even put her first name. It's just like S V like whatever her initial and like all in a row. Yeah. So anyways, um The 32-year-old, better known as Blonde Dolly, was found dead. An autopsy performed last night showed the woman had died of strangulation. An acquaintance of the woman dropped in for a visit last night. To his surprise, he found the shutters closed on the downstairs window. He found the situation rather strange because the woman always strictly adhered to agreements. He consulted right away with another acquaintance who, like him, shared the opinion that the police should be contacted. This was done, and through the house next door, the agents could enter through the back of the house. So I think they entered, like, the neighbor's backyard and then came around the back of her house from what I've read, but that article describes it strangely. There, the woman, dressed in a nightgown, was found dead on her bed. Initially, the investigation could not provide any certainty as to whether a crime was involved, as no outward signs of violence were found on the woman. There was also no question of any disorder in the rooms as a possible consequence of the brawl. As far as could be determined, nothing was missing. On the contrary, police found a large sum of money in the house. After the body was transferred to the hospital, an autopsy was performed, which showed that the death had occurred as the result of strangulation. The case is particularly difficult because there are few leads. After half past three in the night from Friday to Saturday, no one had seen the woman alive. So that's all they give you in the newspaper article which again there's like no there's not like hey be careful out there if you're a woman or
0: like anything like that it's just like hey yo this chick died and we don't really know what happened right well what popped out to me was that they're saying there's few leads but wouldn't there be like a lot
1: of leads because she had a lot of clients right like you would think so that's where it gets a little hinky um So according to the gossip surrounding her murder, the whole investigation was intentionally mishandled by the police after they discovered the notorious Blue Book. Uh, The book is mentioned in police records, but there's no actual proof that the book exists. Like, it's just disappeared. So I think it was, like, made to disappear if it ever did Mm. exist. Her case was generally not investigated much beyond that point. Uh, And the rumor mill blamed the names that could have been revealed as a reason why basically no effort was put in by the police. And this annoys me a lot (laughs) because, like, we see this kind of stuff happen today in, like, Canadian and U.S. cases where it's someone super wealthy or super elite or, like, famous, um, like, Hollywood cases. And they get off so much easier than a person from the general public would. And I hate that there's the potential for law enforcement to be biased in their work because, like, they're supposed to not be. Yeah. <laughs> um. I hope that there's less blatant corruption in the police force in the Netherlands in the current times because they seem like they're a little more on top of themselves than North American police are. But I'm also just, like, a super jaded human by what I'm exposed
0: to in North America, so... Uh. Well, I feel like, you know, like, bias in some... Shape or form is always going to exist. I think, unfortunately, because sometimes you can even think that you're not being biased, and you are. You know, that's I guess what. Well, what I think a is.
1: great ex- a great example of that is in our very first case with Natalie Holloway, when like clearly your on the moron's father had some sway in what happened to his son, and it's just really frustrating that that sort of thing can play into how someone else's like life is handled because yeah. like she literally lost her life to this and, and no one's going to pay for it. I mean, they did. Um, So back to Sue's, they did have one suspect. Uh, it's he's like kind of the main suspect. And I'm not sure if it's because he's an easy scapegoat or if he's actually worth looking at because he is like a sort of shady dude. Um, So his name was Gerard V and Sue's had, been concerned with violence against other prostitutes in the area. So there had been a woman and I'm gonna struggle with this name. Maritia. Do you know how to say it? Maricia. 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 Yeah. Marita van s who had been attacked and robbed and by some accounts murdered. So there's like a couple by of different say robbed murdered. There's I couldn't find anything on her. I like this was like there was only like two articles that mentioned her and one of them was like she was murdered and the other one was like she was just robbed. Don't worry about <laughs> it. And I was like, "Oh, that's a different story." There's and then when I googled her, when I googled her like nothing came up except like the articles that I was looking at in connection to this case. So this is just I feel bad this poor woman was maybe murdered, and no one knows for sure, so she had been attacked and robbed and maybe murdered uh, in December of nineteen fifty eight and there was another woman uh rosemarie uh, Nitrobit, a German cortesian murdered in nineteen fifty seven um And so she decided to hire herself a bodyguard and the Suze bodyguard did? was, oh, yes, and oh. the bodyguard was Gerard V. Well, the other two are dead, potentially. Right. One for sure. Right. The other one's like, eh, maybe. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so yeah, Suze desired, uh, decided to hire a bodyguard. He was one of the only suspects that was ever truly like investigated. And I think he was at one point arrested as well. It's rumored that he was a thug with uh, criminal history, which might have played well to being a bodyguard. Like, you want to be that intimidating. So I'm sure she just was like, yep, let's go. Um, but he fell in love with her, according to the gossips surrounding this case and he told his family about their relationship and like made it seem like they were together and happy and living together and coming to see them and oh. all of this nonsense when none of it was true. Um, and in fact, he had approached her with her desires and she had rebuked them. Hmm. Uh, and then apparently right after her death, um, he had been in the area when the police had been looking at her home and removing her body from the scene. And they had told him and others that were there that she had died of natural causes. And then he had been going around telling people that it was strangulation and they hadn't released that news yet. So they were immediately suspicious of him and he was arrested and then ultimately released because they didn't have anything else to charge him with a crime. And so they couldn't, they couldn't prove anything. There is also a theory of a cover up high in the ranks of society, as the Blue Book had disappeared, which I mentioned. Um, many blamed police ineptitude for it, for the loss, but others believed that it was forces beyond the police who intervened. Uh, so they think that someone when in a high up political yeah. place and, like, it yeah, it was like, get that book out of here. Off. Exactly. So this is also super suspicious because the girl I know uh, noted before, the, the German courtesan, uh, Rosemarie Nitribet, the one who was actually for sure murdered, <laughs> not the one who was maybe murdered, um, she was murdered in a very similar fashion to Sue's. Uh, she was strangled alone in her home and nothing of value was taken. She was another prostitute who worked with clients of, and I will say a certain caliber, but like the elite of society. So the theory that there was a cover-up is not entirely out of the realm of possibility, especially if there is like some political or military elite member of society running around murdering a bunch of prostitutes. I'm sure there's someone covering their tracks. Uh, It doesn't necessarily clear Gerard V either, though, because in one further contemplation of the events uh i can say that if i had been the one going around murdering a bunch of prostitutes what better way to rid myself of suspicion and find more targets than to offer myself as a bodyguard to the <laughs> prostitutes so yeah. i mean really there's there's no <laughs> clearing anyone based on that and so then in 1977 the police closed the case with no official cause and to this day the case remains closed and unsolved. So oh, that that's a bit of a disappointing so end. Yeah. yeah.
0: This is like the Netherlands Jack the Ripper, except
1: I was gonna say, so it like it gave me a lot of Jack the Ripper vibes yeah. when I was looking it up. Yeah. So yes, that is my that is my story about Suze, who is honestly my hero. Who was like a
0: badass.
1: Yeah. And just like got killed for being cool,
0: you know. I always wonder because I'm so into now how they're doing. Um, what's it called? They you, like the family track. Like oh, the, the DNA. Yeah, like the 23andMe type thing that they can use it to solve really old cases. And this was back in 1957, so I wonder if if there's anything that they can test. That maybe has some DNA on it. And maybe we could find someone's family who might be involved in it.
1: And get answers. And get some answers. Or even see if there's links between her and the other case. The other prostitutes that were murdered. Well, potentially murdered in the case of the the one girl. I feel bad about her. Someone needs to... (laughs) Listen. Somebody with better connections in the Netherlands. Do we have her name? Uh, Yes, we do have her name. It was van Venice
0: oh, yeah. yeah, was she murdered? Or was she not murdered?
1: I need that's, to know
0: that's another big mystery.
1: <laughs> Listen, I'll spend some time looking into this, but my reach is short. <laughs> I am in Canada, and I do not read Dutch, so it's pretty hard for me to suss out the details. <laughs> It was hard enough just getting confirmed things about poor Suze
0: here because <laughs> everybody has a different story. Did you see anything about, like, was she completely estranged from her family? I think so.
1: Um, Honestly, her family is never mentioned again after she leaves Amsterdam. Um, and I don't think she ever returned to Amsterdam within that time frame. Um, I can't imagine coming out of a children's home... Having spent the majority of my children's years and teen years in that home, returning to a father that I barely know and a stepmother that I hate, and being like, "Yeah, I'm coming back for Christmas," like I (laughs) don't—I think she was probably like, "I'm done. See you later." And like, there's nothing ever mentioned about her younger brother again either. So, don't really know what happened to that poor kid. (laughs) He just got ditched with the stepmother, and she was like, "Well, she didn't need him.
0: She didn't need anybody." Love
1: no, her. obviously not, because she had, like, seven houses and a dog. I bet and, she like,
0: lived in, like, the cutest little house in Den Haag. I bet she yeah. had the cutest little, like, little canal house.
1: Well, you could go to it.
0: Really? It's,
1: uh, well, I don't know. I'm just assuming you could go to it. It probably still standing. It was only the 1950s. Yeah, true. It was, what, 498? Number 498.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Newhaven. <laughs> The I just opened my you Google having... Maps to be like, how close am I? And then I was like, oh, I'm in Aruba. You're in Aruba. <laughs> in Aruba. So pretty far
1: away. Yeah, very far.
0: <laughs> I'll keep that on my to-do list. Good news, it still exists. It actually looks pretty cute. I bet it was super cute. Cool. Actually, cool. I think the Hague doesn't even really have that many canals. I don't does it have any canals? Maybe a couple. It's not a very canaled city. From what I remember, my friend lives there, so she's probably listening to this right now. Hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she's probably like, you're so wrong about so many things. And if I am, (laughs) send me a message and let me know. We can correct it. Apparently,
0: it's in the hog Center. The city centers are always the coolest places, so she definitely had a cool place. (laughs) I mean, it looks pretty chill. I'd spend some time there.
1: It might not be a house. it It looks more like it's like apartments. So you can go apartment where a woman was murdered. Enjoy.
0: I will stand out there with a sign being like, justice for (laughs) Sue's."
1: Justice for Sue's, And no one's going to know what you mean, except maybe like one old woman who walks by and is like, I knew her. She slept with my husband.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe it depends on what name I put on the sign, because she had like 50 million names.
1: She did have 50 million names. Also, I mean, like, that's another possibility, too, that it was just, like, the wife of a client who was, like, mad and just came over for a little sad set strangulation. I like
0: the scorned lover, like, Gerard. I like that theory.
1: I also think it's super sick that she had a bunch of gold hidden under her floor. Like, that's such
0: a pirate move. I was literally (laughs) just going to say that exact same thing. That is a pirate move. (laughs)
1: just like ah this is my hoard of treasure under my bed like yeah i want to be such a baller that one day i'm hiding gold under my bed like please and thank you listen though she may be dead suze is my role model maybe not as hard into the prostitution because i don't think i'm built
0: for it uh but
1: just the entrepreneurial spirit i'm down with
0: (laughs) well when you come visit me you can Check out the red light district and see if you I want I thought you were going to gonna be like, you can
1: try and get a job. Yeah, that's, that can, is what I was going to say. You can open up your own window. Yeah,
0: check it out. You know, hand in a resume. I don't know how it works.
1: I'm a redhead. They might snap me right up. Yeah, exactly. Pretty rare. Flaunt that.
0: Red hair, blue eyes. Yeah.
1: What a combo. <laughs>
0: Matches the lights. <laughs>
1: The color, the color scheme is on point. Okay, kids.
0: Well, that's all I have for you this week. Yeah, thanks so much for doing the case this week, especially because I can't. I don't know if you can tell, I'm still a little bit sick, so my voice is a little shitty. So, thank you. That was so interesting, and now I want to know everything about Sue's.
1: <laughs> you have to go do your own research now. Yeah, <laughs> gotta continue this. Keep her case alive. Find her killer. Justice for Sue's Put Gerard in jail. Could her
0: killers still be alive? No, right? Yes? Maybe?
1: Yeah, potentially. I mean, depending on how old they were. Like, my parents were born in the late 50s, and they're in their 60s now. So True. it could be yeah, like mean, an old, my an older. My grandpa was
0: still alive, and he was. Yeah. Oh my, my grandma my was born God. in the
1: 30s, and she's still alive.
0: Justice can still be done. Yeah. We're doing it.
1: We're doing it. We're doing it. (laughs) Okay, everybody, uh, stand by for me and Courtney uh, executing justice.
0: We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of Spook Pod. New ones are out every Friday. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to talk to us? Have questions? You can
1: email us at thespookpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter,
0: and Reddit at SpookPod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, spookpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See you you next week. week!